G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao, and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as phone booths? Today's show is a continuation of the show that we had two weeks ago, which was a continuation of a show two weeks before that. So if you've missed those, go to our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? and click on Repeating History and Repeating History Part 2. But as this is a continuation, we'll first have a little review of what we looked at in those two weeks. We first looked at the signs that God gave the antediluvian people of the flood to come. We looked at the sign of Methuselah, which means after he dies, judgment, or when he dies, it shall come. And we reasoned what it would have looked like just before the flood. Methuselah would have died. The 120-year prophecy would have come to a finish. And then God, in a final act of desperation to wake the people up, sent the animals into the ark two by two. We also discovered that inspired writings tell us there were a number of people who believed that this judgment was coming and that there were a number who believed Noah. And we asked ourselves, why didn't they get onto the ark? And we discovered that the reason was because they were unwilling to renounce their sins. We then had a look at the prophecy of the ten virgins. And we discovered that they were all virgins, meaning they were all pure in their desire to know and follow God. They all had lamps, which means they were all based on the word of God. They were all awaiting the bridegroom. These were all Christians who were awaiting the advent of the Messiah. They all had some oil. They were all open to the Holy Spirit's movement, at least to some extent, and they all fell asleep. They all rose up to meet him, and every one of them expected entry into the kingdom. But we found out that five of them didn't have enough oil. We found out that five of them weren't used to allowing the Holy Spirit to influence them to make decisions. We found out that when an appeal came forward, these five would just resist the Holy Spirit. They would respond like, oh yes, I know this is a good idea, but maybe I'll get around to doing it later. Essentially, the problem they had was they had not permitted their old nature to be broken up. They weren't allowing the Holy Spirit to actually make meaningful changes in their lives. And we discovered that this was essentially the identical problem the antediluvians who believed that the flood was coming had, which was they were unwilling to renounce their sins. When God revealed to them aspects of their life that they needed to change in order to be in alignment with His will, they just resisted. We also had a look at the signs of Jesus' return. If you're unfamiliar with these, go to our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? and click on When Will Jesus Return? And we discovered that all of these signs are actually being fulfilled in the world today. We saw that there are wars and rumors of wars. People are traveling to and fro. Knowledge is increased. There's an increase in violence. Sexual immorality is rampant throughout the world. There are earthquakes, pandemics, and deceptions such as there has never been before. And we then looked at the things that have happened only this year. We saw that at the beginning of this year, in Australia, there were unprecedented fires. And then came the coronavirus, which has swept over the entire world, closing borders and unprecedented things are happening. We also found that there are a plague of locusts that have swept over an entire continent, even into the next, and there are now riots popping up like wildfires. And we asked ourselves, what will it take? What will it take for us to make a decision? What will it take for us to say, Okay, I see that the signs are being fulfilled. I see that Jesus is coming soon and I need to be prepared now. Will it take another pandemic more virulent than this one? Will it take a tsunami sending tidal waves all over the world? Will it take a nuclear war? What will it take for us to say, Okay, Lord, I'm going to submit my will to you today. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, we find an interesting verse that reads, Repent and then turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing 
may come from the Lord. Now what does this verse mean? We'll have a look at it just after this song. Is it relevant today? I'm Marius Jigao, and today we're having a look at the concept of repentance. In Acts chapter 3 verse 19, it reads, Repent 
and then turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Essentially, the problem that the antediluvians had who believed the flood was coming but didn't get onto the ark was a similar problem to what the five foolish virgins had, which was that they wouldn't repent. Now, what does it mean to repent? I've asked a number of people this question, and many people say that to repent means simply to ask for forgiveness. While this is most definitely an aspect of repentance, repentance is far more than that. If we have a look at the Greek word which is translated into repent, that word is metaneo, and it means to change one's mind, to adopt a new point of view, to change one's perspective or resolve. I once heard a preacher say that repent is an old military term, which means about face, which means to turn around and to go in the opposite direction. However, I've done a little bit of research and I've been unable to confirm this anywhere. It would be nice if this was the etymology of this word, as it would really fit with this illustration. However, when we repent, that is essentially what we do. We turn around from the old way of seeing things to a new perspective. For example, if you're unwilling to forgive someone, when you would repent, you would change your mind. You would say, Okay, Lord, I know that I need to forgive them. Yes, they may not deserve forgiveness, but I didn't deserve your forgiveness either. I know that I need to forgive this person. And in this way, you change your mind. But not only that, then you adopt a new point of view. It's my responsibility to actually forgive this person. And then you change your resolve or purpose. You actually go about doing it. The concept of repentance is found in a number of places in the Bible, and it may not always use this word repent, but the same idea is found all throughout the Bible. For example, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Notice that one of the conditions that was put here is for them to turn from their wicked ways. Another way one could say this is to repent. God wants us not only to say we're sorry, but to actually turn around, to turn from our wicked ways and to adopt a new perspective, to change our life and to bring it in alignment with His will. We are told that when this happens, then God will hear from heaven and will forgive our sins. So God will offer forgiveness when one actually turns from their wicked ways. In Matthew chapter 3 verse 8, John the Baptist says something interesting. He says, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What John the Baptist is actually saying here is, Don't just say you're going to repent but actually show the fruit of repentance. For example, if you're struggling in your marital relationships and there's been bitterness there for years, essentially what John the Baptist is saying is, you need to change your mind. You need to change your heart. Go about making peace with your spouse and then produce the fruit. And when you produce the fruit, your spouse will realize that this is what you're doing. Your children will realize that this is what you're doing. Those around you will see that you are producing the fruit of repentance. In fact, John says this statement to the Pharisees. You know the Pharisees who had the desire to serve God? They were based on the word of God. They were awaiting the coming of the Messiah. To them, they were told to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Don't just say you're repenting but actually prove it through the fruit that work in your life. Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting that anyone should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. I love this verse because it says that the Lord is patient with us. 
The Lord has been so extremely patient with me in my life, and He continues to be patient with me. But notice that there are two options in this verse. One of them is to come to repentance. The other is to perish. You see, God wants us to leave Satan's kingdom and be joined to his kingdom. And the reason he wants this is because Satan's kingdom will be destroyed. It will perish. Therefore, God tells us, repent and come join my kingdom. After this song, we'll find out what Jesus says on the matter. Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Marius Jigel, and today we're looking at the concept of repentance. And we've discovered that to repent means not only to ask for forgiveness, but to change your direction, to turn around. It actually means to change one's resolve, to change one's purpose, to change one's mindset, and then actually put this into practice. In fact, if you have a look at the first thing that Jesus said when he came from the wilderness after being tempted, the first thing that Jesus says according to the Gospel of Matthew is, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Peter in the book of Acts chapter 2, in his first public sermon where 3,000 people were converted and they were cut to the heart and they came and asked him, What should we do? He then said, Repent. Jesus says, Repent. John the Baptist says, Repent. Jeremiah says, Repent. David says, Repent. Peter says, Repent. Paul says, Repent. And the obvious question which comes to my mind is, Why? Why should I bother repenting? Am I saved because I repent? 
The Bible is actually very clear about that. We're not saved because we repent. We're saved by grace, through faith. It's not something that we do. In fact, if we have a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. Hey, it's not something you do. And just in case you missed it, and continue saying, It is the gift of God. And just in case you missed that one, it then continues saying, It is not of works. And in a last effort to be extraordinarily clear, it says, Lest anyone should boast. No one will have absolutely anything to boast about. Here, we find out that it's not our repentance that saves us. So then, why do we need to repent? We're saved by grace. Essentially, what you do is you come to Jesus and we say, Lord, I no longer want to be part of this satanic kingdom. Lord, I want to be joined to your kingdom. And when we say that, Jesus says, I forgive your sins. And he forgives our sins by his grace. And we accept this through faith. We believe that he has forgiven our sins and in this way we enter into his kingdom. I was speaking to someone just last week and they asked me, Marius, how do I know that my sins are forgiven? And the answer was simple. Well, you know, through faith. We're told if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore, the way we know that we've been forgiven is that we actually believe what the Bible says. I saw this exemplified in my wife Gabrielle. Immediately after we started dating, we soon started praying together. And one time she said, Lord, please forgive me for this sin. I know that it's wrong. And Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. Please forgive me. And then she said something which kind of blew my mind. She said, I thank you for forgiving me. And now that you have forgiven me, and then she went to talk about something else. And I was like, wow. You see, I'd been used to asking for forgiveness and then feeling guilty for a week or a month or multiple months about it. But here I saw her put faith into action. You said you'll forgive me when I ask, so I believe that you have forgiven me. So therefore, I must be forgiven. It's exactly the same with salvation. Now, when God has offered us this salvation, what do we do? Do we then say, Okay, now I'm going to continue living in Satan's kingdom. Yes, Lord, I did say that I want to be part of your kingdom, but you know, I like to gossip and I like to lie and watch pornography, so I'm going to continue living in Satan's kingdom. Is this what we do? Paul writes for us about this in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? How shall we who have died to the kingdom of Satan now continue to live there? What Paul says is, no, we don't continue living there. If we have a look in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 26, we find what I believe to be the most difficult verse in the Bible. And it says, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Essentially, what Paul is writing here is that once we have accepted by faith that through Jesus' grace we are saved, we don't continue living in Satan's kingdom. In fact, if we continue deliberately living there, we're not forgiven for our sins. And notice... He says, deliberate sin. Now, there's a big difference between accidental sin and deliberate sin. Let me give you an example. If one was to walk into a shopping center and see a photo of a half-naked woman, which is pretty common in our shopping centers today, and the Bible tells us that if you look at a woman who is not your wife to lust for her, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. Now, the appropriate thing to do when you see this is to say, okay, this isn't my wife, I'm not going to continue looking there. 
But let's say that you walked into this shopping center and you continued looking for longer than you should have. But you didn't come there with the intention to do this. Essentially what's happened is Satan has tricked you. In this scenario, this sin is not a deliberate sin. You didn't go there with the intention to commit this sin. However, if you plan to go to a brothel and then you make an appointment one month later, this is a very different kind of sin. This sin is planned out and you have no intention of repenting from it. And until you do, what the Bible tells us is that this sin will not be forgiven. David, in fact, shares a similar sentiment in Psalms 66 verse 18. He says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If I deliberately continue sinning, deliberately hold on to that sin, don't expect God to hear. It would be like me saying to my wife, Honey, I love you and you alone, while in bed with the neighbor. This is a contradiction in terms. It's simply not true. Now, it's very clear that we need to repent of our sins. If we want to join God's kingdom, James says a similar thing. He says in chapter 1, verse 22 to 24, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Notice that he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if we only hear what God tells you and don't actually do it, then you're deceiving yourselves. Like someone who looks in the mirror and sees they have an issue and doesn't do anything about it. This is similar to what the antediluvians did. They were unwilling to renounce their sins. God showed them what to do, but they were like, nah, I just don't want to do it. It's similar to what the foolish virgins did. They were unwilling to permit their old nature to be broken up. It's similar to what the Pharisees were doing. They had a complete knowledge of God's law, but they weren't putting it into practice and allowing the Holy Spirit to bring their life in alignment with God's will. Now, the next question that naturally flows from this is, How? How do I repent, Marius? I've tried a number of times and I keep failing. How does one properly repent? We'll explore this question just after this song. Shield to you. Are- 
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? You're listening to Marius Jigel, and today we're having a look at the concept of repentance. We're now asking ourselves, how do we actually go about repenting? We're going to have a look at three steps. Now, the first step may seem quite easy, but in fact, I've noticed that this is actually the most difficult one. And this is to admit that you have a problem. Admit that this problem is yours and not someone else's. And the reason we need to do this is because it's human nature to blame others for our problem. In fact, from the very beginning, this is what happened with our parents. Adam was like, ah, well, it's not my fault, it's Eve. Eve was like, ah, it's the snake's fault. In a similar way, today we are unwilling to admit we have a problem. And the reason is because in admitting we have a problem, we have to step on our pride to do it. And we hate to step on our pride. The first step to true repentance is admitting you have a problem. Lord, I admit that it's my duty to forgive this person and that it's my problem that I'm unwilling to forgive them. I admit that I'm responsible for my marriage relationship and I can't change the other person. I can only change myself. Admit that I have a problem watching things I shouldn't watch and there's no excuse for it. I need to bring my life in alignment with your will. The sub-step to this is change. Sometimes it's actually that easy. One day someone confronted me and told me, Marius, you keep taking God's name in vain. And this breaks the third commandment. I realized this was true. I was convicted and then I simply changed. It was that easy. Certain sins are much easier to overcome than others. And we shouldn't expect that every single sin to be extremely difficult to overcome. I've shared a number of times that I struggled with many addictions in my life. I struggled with alcohol, cigarettes, and drug addictions. And when I decided to change, for me, giving up cigarettes was extremely easy. I just said, I'm going to stop smoking. And I stopped smoking. Now, it's not always this easy for everyone, but certain sins for certain individuals are much easier to overcome than others. And if this is the case for you, just simply change. More often than not, though, It's a real struggle to overcome sin. And if that's the case, we go to step two, which is to tell God that you can't fix it. Say, Lord, I've been trying to work on this and I've been trying to overcome this, but I simply cannot do it. I want to forgive this person, but I can't. They've hurt me so badly and I just can't let go. Lord, I want to stop watching these things which I know are inappropriate for Christian consumption, but I keep finding myself falling back into the trap. Lord, help me. And the next sub-step to this is to pray. We need to pray that God helps us to overcome. When I gave my heart to God, there were a number of sins that I struggled with. Things like addictions, taking God's name in vain, and swearing. But when I gave my heart to God, he simply took these sins. It wasn't easy, but he enabled me to overcome in a very short period of time. However, there are other sins that I struggle with daily. Sins that I pray about every morning. I say, Lord, please help me with this problem today. Help me overcome today. And throughout the day, I continue praying. And when I feel tempted, I say, Lord, please help me overcome. We need to pray about our sins and ask God to help us overcome. And the third step is, spend time with God. I was speaking to someone last week and they said, Marius, I'm struggling to give up swearing. I'm trying, but I keep failing. I've tried, I've tried, and I've tried to give it to God. I've prayed about it, but I just can't stop. And then I asked them, are you spending daily time with God? Don't expect to be able to overcome your sins if you're not spending time daily beholding God. Because we're told that by beholding, we become changed. By spending time with God, we become changed to be more like Him. Don't expect to overcome your sins if you're not spending time daily with God. And some people say to me, Yes, Marius, but I just don't have the time. To them I respond, Do you think I have the time? I don't have the time either. I wake up at 5.30 to make time with God. And the reason I do this is because this is what's truly important in my life. Now stay with us after this song and we'll wrap it up. 
back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigau, and today we've been looking at the concept of repentance. We've found that throughout the Bible, many of the authors are calling us to repentance. We found out that to repent is not simply to ask for forgiveness, but to actually change the way that we view things and to turn around from our old sinful ways. And we've even looked at a few ways of actually implementing this into practice. Peter says to us to repent. And he also says that once we repent, we turn to God. So we change the direction we're going. We change our direction from the satanic kingdom and we now turn to God. He continues saying that once this is done, our sins will be wiped out and a time of refreshing will come. It's amazing this time of refreshing that comes from God. It never occurred to me that me, a useless junkie, can one day have this daily peace of God in my heart. It never occurred to me that this is actually possible, but this is what happens when we repent and we turn to God. Now, many people get discouraged about this message. You've tried, you keep failing, and you've just given up trying. The reason that people get so discouraged about repentance is because of a misunderstanding about the nature of repentance. Most of the time, repentance is not an event. Repentance is actually a process. 
And in order to bring our lives in alignment with God's will, we simply need to have begun this process. I sometimes get frustrated at people in the church who have been there for 20, 30, 40 years and they've been working on certain sins for like 10 or 20 years and finally they've been able to overcome and they expect new Christians who have just joined the church to have the same victory instantly that has taken them many years to achieve. We can't go about judging others on their process of repentance based on what we have done. Repentance is a process. And as soon as we begin this process, that's where grace comes in. That's where Jesus says, I forgive you. And if you keep your eyes on me, even when you fail, my grace will cover your sins. Don't expect to reach perfection in this world. Perfection will be fully reached in the world to come. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't aim to remove sins from our life. Jesus will help us to overcome. As we draw closer and closer to Him, He'll reveal to us other aspects of our life that we also need to bring in alignment with His will. I want to ask you today, are you sure of your salvation? We are told that by grace, through faith, we are saved. So we are told that if we surrender our sins to God, through faith, we can know that we are saved. So the question I have for you today is, are you certain of your salvation? Or are there aspects of your life that you're unwilling to renounce to God? Are there aspects of our life where we're saying, you know what, I really prefer to live in Satan's kingdom. I just don't want to give this up. What God is telling us is to repent to bring our life in alignment with His will. And when we do that, then we can have the assurance that right now we are saved. I want to invite you today, if there's something in your life that's prohibiting you from having this assurance of salvation, I want to ask you to surrender it to God today. Give it to Him and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this sin. But today, I have resolved to begin the process of repentance. Lord, I pray that you will help me overcome this, because I want to be part of your kingdom. If this is your desire today, say this to God in your heart right now. And we will close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you that you offer us an assurance of salvation. We praise you for your grace. We praise you that you love us and that you died for our sins. That we may have salvation and that we, through repentance, may have assurance of salvation right now. Lord, we want to repent of our sins and we bring them to you today. Help us to overcome and draw closer and closer to you every day. This is our prayer, in Jesus' name, Amen. We thank you for listening today, and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? where we have a number of presentations, such as What Happens When You Die, and this one called Repeating History, Part 3. But for now, thanks for listening, God bless, and I hope you have a magnificent day. Turn the sea into dry land 
by your might you set your children free El Shaddai El Shaddai El Yonah Adonai Age to age you're still the same
You've been listening to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant Today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story Twill be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love